Thought Football Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey Amanda, welcome back. Hello! We are here today to recommend a book, but before we do that, just want to give you a social media update. We have an active Instagram account, at the Lightly Literary Podcast, and a Facebook page, same thing, at the Lightly Literary Podcast. We're also on most podcast platforms, so at this point, recommend us to friends, however you found us. Tell everybody you know, go wild, we're here talking books, recommending books, analyzing books. Anything else we do with books, Amanda? We don't burn them. We love them. Yeah, we we nurture them. I don't know. I was trying <laughs> they to nurture of, us. Yes, that yeah. We we allow ourselves to be in to fall into the bosom of the book. <laughs> I'm gonna mix a lot more metaphors before this pod is done. That's for sure. Right. So that's who we are. As I mentioned, we're here to recommend a book. The way we do our book club episodes is that the first Monday of a week, we or the first Monday of the book club series, we recommend a book. And then the two subsequent Fridays, we discuss that book and analyze it. Today, we'll be recommending a novel by Cheng Ray Lee called Native Speaker, which is a pick that Amanda chose. I'm going to do the from the cover first. This is something I've been forgetting to implement and just remember to put in today. So I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to read briefly a description of the book from its own cover. Then I'll toss it to Amanda because she chose the book and, you know, she can explain why she picked it. From the cover reads, Henry Park is a spy who works for a private company with international connections. Reared in a suburban New York in a traditional Korean household with its lack of emotional display and an inescapable feeling of foreignness, he is a natural, the invisible other, the silent observer who is always present but never known. That's the setup for the book, Amanda. The prompt I gave you to pick this book for was just to pick a book about immigration or immigrants. Why did you pick this book and could you tell us a bit about it? Um, this book has been in my Korean American Lit collection, and mm-hmm. I know that Chung Rae Lee himself um, is an immigrant. He came here when he was really young um, from Korea. So mm-hmm. I was thinking that it would be almost more along the lines of like a memoir in a lot of ways, but um, I remembered reading that there was also the spy element. So I was like, okay, so maybe maybe it'll be like a fictionalized memoir. Um, but I chose it because it was, it, it's in my wheelhouse as far as like Korean American lit. And, um, it also had like a, a cool little twist to it and not, not just, a the usual immigrant memoir. Yeah. As one of the critics we allude to in one of the book clubs mentions, there is a memoir in here, whether or not you think it would have been better as that or not is up to the reader and the analyst to decide the critic. But yeah, there's certainly, there's enough interfamilial detail and personal reflection in this that yeah it's it has memoir type qualities yeah and so we're here today to recommend this book the recommendation episodes such as the one you've stumbled upon here are under 30 minutes our aim here is to describe the work try and talk about what makes it appealing or what made it a a good enjoyable read and try and persuade you to read it with us for the coming two weeks If we fail at that mission, then so be it. We will recommend other works in the future. Um, And if you stick around to the end of this podcast, we'll talk about the next three or four books that we have coming up and that we have selected for the pod. Without further ado, let's get into the recommendation. Let's start with our reading similes where we describe what reading this work was like. Amanda, why don't you start us with your simile for Native Speaker? 
Sure. Um, I said that reading this is like looking in the mirror in the dark saying Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary over and over yeah. again. Did you ever play that as a yeah, kid? Yeah, sure. I <laughs> pretended to. I don't know if I ever was bold enough to do it. <laughs> I said I, I did. did. <laughs> um, Good enough. But the reason that I, I say that is that it is very familiar, right? You're looking, well, for me, it's a familiar story, not just because mm, I've yeah. read that, but also my mom is Korean and like I've had some of the similar I think um, experience is not quite the same, but mm-hmm. yeah, pretty pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um, but there's also the aspect of danger and psyching up for something to happen, which comes from that spy novel aspect to it. So you did feel like the style of it, the plotting and everything, kind of made you feel like you had to get psyched up for you were waiting for twists, essentially. Yeah, I was waiting for like at the at the beginning when when it's setting up and stuff the the first half. Yeah, I definitely felt like it was going to culminate in something that there was going to be some kind of big thing that happens. There are big so yeah, yeah. and there yeah. are I would say yeah there are spy subterfuge type things that happen. It was mm-hmm. the first fifty pages were were a fascinating tone setter because it was yeah. way more spy lingo that kind of dialogue and setting up than I imagined. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised by it, too. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I really was, and I think it works, but we'll try and make that case today, I suppose. I thought that reading this is like city driving, which we live in a kind of major U.S. city, so we're familiar with, you know, I I guess every city has its own characteristics for driving, but (laughs) did you know, by the way, this is a, I'll do a small sidebar here, that our city in all of the United States has the worst grid? Really? Yeah. I guess I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I, I don't know why I'm dancing around naming it. I guess some privacy is fine. I'm sure we've said it in other episodes, whatever. But yeah, the downtown has a very specific, t- typical one, but the outskirts of it are a mess. And the downtown's not big, I mean, comparatively speaking to other major right. city downtowns. No, they, there was a visual map I saw somewhere online. I think it came from Reddit, and then I went to the study or whoever did this visual thing. But it was sort of like an analysis of how the flow is and where the streets connect and everything. And mm-hmm. ours is the worst in the U S by far, I think of like the major ones, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm not that surprised by that. It's like New oddity. York is so orderly. It's, it's very much a grid, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. And there, there are a few others that haven't really come up around a grid. I think DC's kind of gotten retrofitted a bit. So it's like a little more comprehensible and there's, there were a couple others in there. Like maybe it was Louisville or something that was surprisingly incoherent, <laughs> but hmm. anyway, so we're accustomed to city driving, getting back to the simile. I think that this book has <laughs> plenty of stops and starts. I think that the, the spy plot layered with the immigration the amount of flashbacks in here and the intensity of them, the reflection, the memoir quality of them does make it very start stop. Like when you kind of enter back into the spy narrative versus getting sucked back into a memory and learning about his Korean upbringing, it, it does feel kind of go stop and go. I thought it was pleasing. I guess the simile is inherently bad because no one likes driving in cities, but to me, it was just, it just kind of had that feeling. I think if you like city driving, stop and take in the scenery, you can be, you know, if you're at a moment where you think the narrative has slowed down, I think if you stop and get on its wavelength and kind of take it in, there are things to really enjoy and savor at almost every moment. But yeah, it does. Mm. The, the kind of pace and flow can be stop start. I think also it would be f- fair to say here, you should expect some rereads of passages here. For sure. I, I agree with that completely. And 
that to stop and, and admire the scenery, um, especially in our city where we actually have a whole lot of green, right? It's yeah. not like yeah. you're staring at just, you know, smoke and clouds. <laughs> yeah, concrete, you know. But yeah, I love that. I love that simile. That's so great. Yeah, that you, you do stop and, it, and it's definitely a change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, too, when you go from the memoir esque to the to the spy novel, so, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think it's you have to be prepared to you got to make the most of the scenery. You got to be prepared yeah. to take it in and enjoy it, and you can, and you definitely can if you're you know to expect. Let's For move sure. on to the scripted pitch. This is a pre written about two hundred word or so persuasive act. Amanda and I have each prepared a sort of pitch as to why you should read this book and what makes it compelling. We're going to try and sell you on it. And again, we've prepared these in advance. So this is a little more prepared. And I think I'll go first. I feel like I always make you go first. So I'll do yeah. mine first. <laughs> we, I should be more cognizant of this. I'll you know, switch up the order more often anyway. You're fine. So yeah, I'll go first here. This is my, my pitch for native speaker. Of all the books we've covered so far on this new podcast, this is the seventh or no eighth book, right? Oh, man, that's a good question. It's the eighth one, because we did the sixth, then the highlights, then bluest, then this. It's a, it's a, yeah, this eighth is one. eight, yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we record these in advance. It's very confusing, folks. Sorry. Production, <laughs> no, production. I'm keeping this all in, but it's <laughs> we're a bit ahead in the reading anyway. But of all those books, of, the, of all the other seven, this is the one where I reread the most, and I don't think it's even the most difficult to read. I think in terms of mystery and plotting, it's probably Hardboiled Wonderland has a lot more confusion. And then I think for literary stuff, The Bluest Eye might even be maybe a touch more dense than this one. But I think that this book had just the the density of this person's identity of the narrator and the messy entanglements that the book constructs around it, the way that Henry gets involved in and the way that his identity, I suppose, gets involved with all these different peoples is just really in, intense and complicated. He's entangled in his past, his upbringing from his, with his father and mother, and then also a, is it the, his Ajima? Mm-hmm. Ajima. Ajima. Yeah. His relationships, including the one to his wife and his, his son, who, this is, we don't spoil on this one. It's not a spoiler to say his son is deceased. You find that out very quickly. Um, yeah. So he's got that relationship to reflect on. His connection to New York, a city which at almost every turn in this book, every description of New York comes in long spurts and lists of sentences that include every group, every ethnicity, every racial group. It's just the New York is just you get bombarded by New York in this book. So mm-hmm. honestly, if I think billing this as a spy thriller gets you to turn some pages and makes all of that stuff I just said, the density, the identity, all those issues, if it gets you in then, I think jump in. I think that's a great selling point because this does carry the hallmarks of spy fiction. There are terse exchanges where nothing and everything is said. There are veiled threats between people who seem like friends. There are fractured relationships. There's revenge plots and, and murder. I mean, there's murder. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so the I think that stuff is, you know, it's fun. It's compelling. It works well. But the brilliance of the novel is in the moments of flashbacks, really, wherein Henry is reliving significant chunks of his life growing up with his Korean immigrant parents how these various threads of memory connect and interweave and the tapestry, perhaps I think spider's web would be a fitting metaphor that they create is kind of the revelatory part. I think it's really an utterly American book and perhaps mm-hmm. in 2021 between this and the Kim Ji Young book, we, we have hit timely stories. Definitely was not the plan of the pod. We've just been picking things we want to read, but I don't know, given current events, I mean, immigration has been kind of a hot issue for about five years here, and Asian-American yeah. issues have been really intensified this year, well, for the COVID 
timing. And so I, I don't know. It just felt very American and very intense. It's something it feels relevant to. So it's intense by thriller and relevant as well. That is my pitch. I, I love it that you say that it seems very American because when you get into the story, it's the the idea of what is American is a major theme there that he he explores too which i find really interesting yeah and i love that you use the word fun because i wasn't even thinking that word but it this novel is you're right it's fun (laughs) yeah i think i i found the kind of jumping between in a way sort of fun i mean i guess i have litter and maybe at this point if you listener have listened to other podcasts of ours you might know our literary taste but i like entanglements i think that's the part of literature that I find fun, quote unquote. And there are moments of levity in here. It's, I would say, a pretty serious work. And Henry's not a downtrodden guy, but he has kind of, he's deep reflections about his, you know, status, his identity, his person. But I think it is, yeah, anyway, I found parts of it to be kind of fun and intriguing. And yeah, it moves, and it does move for how intense it is, too. Yeah. How about for your pitch, Amanda? Go ahead. All right. If you're expecting an immigrant story akin to Amy Tan's Joy Luck Club or Julie Otsuka's The Buddha in the Attic, sure, you're going to find those same themes in Chang Rei Li's Native Speaker. There's identity crisis, language barriers, assimilation, bigotry, etc. surrounding specifically Asian immigrants. This novel, however, is more like the film The Immigrant with Joaquin Phoenix and Marion Cotillard. Um, There's action scenes, interactions with characters outside of the family, and a mystery to unravel. This blending of spy fiction with memoir-esque reflections makes this novel a truly unique immigrant tale. It's both entertaining and illuminating. Lee masterfully, especially considering this is his debut novel, reveals the complexities of the immigrant experience, especially in the ways that non-native English speakers are marginalized because of how un-American they really seem. The, the isolation of these immigrants, as well as the sense of community in the immigrant population, in addition to the pressures to assimilate, are emphasized in Lee's exploration of betrayal and identity. There's great themes, it's a great story, and you should just read it. And I would say a couple of things on that one. I do. I did find it pretty masterful. We're on a bit of a streak with picking these first-time books, and yeah. we've already commented a couple of times that it feels memoir-like at times. It, I guess it shouldn't be so surprising, right? Since it was his first book, he was writing from the thing he knew him best himself, <laughs> and yeah. so it it feels like expertise. Maybe because of that subject matter too, he picked something probably he was comfortable writing about and wanted to talk about, and then you know he just blended it with a spy story, and it it just worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. That's a good way of putting it. Great themes, too, like you said. I think it, it covers all the ones that you mentioned. I don't think... I know the Joy Luck Club. I've never heard of the Buddha in the Attic, though. So that one's new to me. It's um it comparatively... Like, Joy Luck Club, I think, was um published back in, like, the 90s. Okay. Um, yeah. The Buddha in the Attic is way more recent. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is the Buddha hidden in the attic? Is it a shame thing? No. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but you can borrow. I have a copy of it. You can borrow it if cool. you Cool. Like. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I feel like the pod's been keeping my reading schedule pretty full, but I got to sneak in some yeah. other things too. Yeah, that's a great pitch. Okay. Those are our, our scripted pitches. Let's move to quotes for clarification. In this episode, our goal again is to recommend this, but we do like to give a sense of the author's style. So each of us has pulled one quote to read from the book and a short excerpt, just so we can talk about what it means, what it represents about the book and how it will
will help you get to know the book before you decide to start it. I suppose I'll start this one too. I don't mind going first on this one. I chose yeah. one very early on. It's on my page 28. It is a paragraph about his mother, about Henry, the main character's mother, and I'll read it now. A person like my mother would have found it difficult to sit in the same room with them. They might have frightened her with their big bellying laughter and hot tears and full bear hugs. This is another a, like white American family he's describing. I could see Jack's mother attempting to embrace my mother in an act of solidarity. My mother would have stiffened and politely allowed her small body to be enfolded in those fleshy arms. She believed that displays of emotion signaled a certain failure between people. The only person who could upset her, make her cry or laugh in the open, was my father. He could always unsettle her face with a stern admonition or an old joke or pun in Korean. Otherwise, I thought she possessed the most exquisite control over the muscles of her face. She seemed to have a subtle power of inflection over them, the way a tongue can move air." couple things in here to hit it every time there's a detour into Henry's memory or exploration of his family it's really quite revelatory and you can it reflects in subtle ways and really literal ones like this is it's clear then the mother's influence on him how she was really reserved and you know instilled some of that in him and too so there's that obvious stuff but there's also he talks about kind of the relationship with her father too and the way that that creates maybe there's more of an openness or tenderness or not i think that creates some complications with how he views his father um mm -hmm. that the way that he processes emotion and kind of connects or doesn't connect to other people shows up here too i think it's i don't know it also it shows some of the language i think nothing in here you know it's not it's not literature to kind of blow the door off but there are some phrases in here like the way a tongue can move air that feel I don't know. Yeah. Poetic kind of floaty in a way. And, you know, her mm -hmm. body may have stiffened the small of her body to be enfolded in the fleshy arms. Feels kind of there's a bit of a grasp to that. It's a bit suffocating, which feels fitting. So it's it's good imagery that works. I think it conveys character clearly. And I I guess I just wanted to pull one of the flashbacks because I think they're the moments that kind of illuminate the story the most. But they're also the thing you have to be up for. That's the detours in the simile I gave earlier. Those are the stops where it's kind of you have to be up for reading into that. Uh, they're kind of the breaks in the spy story. So that is my quote. I love it. I um I love the the imagery too because he does um, Lee does do a lot with like contrasting images, and in mm -hmm. this particular quote, Jack is also um an immigrant from Greece, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So like the, yes. they they he's the one that um that Henry feels the the closest to, the main character feels the closest to, but it's interesting because they're both immigrants, but then when you look at their parents, their parents are just so opposite and yet they have this shared experience and he's the most comfortable with somebody who is the least like him um out of anybody. So Yeah. It's it's a great, I think way to show the 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 idea that um the americanness versus american is is the real divide yeah that... i suppose now that i read back on that i thought it was his wife's parents he was talking about but no jack was his other immigrant friend too so i was i was reading that as that's how his parents would have responded to kind of like a standard stock been here for a few generations white american family but i guess it wasn't it was jack and his yeah. wife but they were more uh, an exuberant type of and maybe more expressive jack's wife who also is deceased you learn that really quickly too in the book she was conveyed as sort of like a pretty lively person fairly passionate right. outgoing so yeah any a contrastive emotional kind of display <laughs> outward yeah. outward lives i guess mm -hmm. and how about for your quote um 
Okay, mine is, for even Dennis Hoagland understands that in every betrayal dwells a self-betrayal, which brings you that much closer to a reckoning. And that's from page 314. Um, Dennis Hoagland being his um, boss. Spy um, boss. Henry's boss, yeah, yeah. spy boss. Um, and he is American. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> Super mm-hmm. American. Um, yes. In his descriptions. Um, but the reason that I chose this is that it's a nice combination of theme, which is the identity, the idea of identity and how to find your identity, especially as an immigrant who... Um, or growing up with immigrant parents who... Um, whose native language is not English, but also there's that spy backdrop there, right? The the betrayal mm-hmm. dwells a self betrayal, which brings you that much closer to a reckoning. There's that buildup that I mentioned in um, my own simile as well, where you know something's coming, right? There's there's a lot of foreshadowing. Right. It also shows some of the insights and reflections that the author sprinkles throughout the novel. Um, again, just kind of like pinpointing he. Shang Rei Li, uh, you know, takes the time to make grand insights into the state of the immigrants um, in America and the state of like American politics and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the way that it surveys now, granted, this is a book of the 90s and you feel that with some of the tech and you know, they talk about faxes and things. But yeah, <laughs> other than that, it doesn't feel that dated. I, I didn't think at least not significantly. Right. Some of the New York stuff maybe I think has changed. The way that those neighborhoods feel, maybe in the way that some yeah, there's you know gentrifying happening and just mixes of different groups now. Anyway, those things. Are, New York's a always shifting place, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. But that's yeah, no, certainly. Okay, any other thoughts on the quotes or the pitch? Anything? No. Excellent. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. Now, the final thing we'll do for you, dear listener is give you something from the literary knapsack, a little bit of advice, a little piece of literary, I don't know, wisdom or a literary technique, maybe a rhetorical device. This is something that we think will be useful to think about while you read. So if you're nervous before starting the book or just wondering what to expect or perhaps what to look for when you're reading, this can help you out. Amanda, why don't you tackle this one first? Go ahead with um, the literary knapsack item. Sure. Um, I said tropes. So, um, Mm -hmm. a trope is the use of figurative language via word, phrase, or an image for artistic effects, such as using a figure of speech, Mm -hmm. and has come to be used for describing commonly recurring literary and rhetorical devices, motifs, or cliches in creative works. So, I chose this one because this is a spy fiction novel that has the memoir uh, feel to it at times. And it, so it's also an immigrant tale. And I found it interesting to look for some of those spy tropes. Um, think anything that you would expect in like Bond or Born or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so any of those I thought stood out to me because I was looking specifically for them. But I also paid particular attention to any of the tropes that Lee did not choose to include, including some of the immigrant memoir-esque um, tropes that we come to expect in that particular type of writing. So I think it's yeah. Yeah. it's interesting how he includes some, but then also does not include some. So I think, yeah, I, I couldn't help. I'm not really that acquainted with the spy genre, 
but I couldn't help but compare it to some of the ones you mentioned, Bond, Born, Mission Impossible. Those are those franchises have become explosive. They're basically superhero movies now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're you know with with different branding <laughs> and with different right. um, aesthetics and everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, this is a subtle, subtler, a subtler spy story for sure. Yeah, I, I think of it more as like a, a Batman type story almost, where the mm-hmm. the hero is almost in some ways an anti-hero in search of some kind of some kind of ending to some kind of anguish. And it's a bit slower and more investigative too. Yeah. That's another important thing. That's a good one. Okay. My literary knapsack item is alienation, which I'll try and get through this penguin literary definition quickly. As defined <laughs> by Marx, that's Karl Marx, alienation is a specific historical condition in which man experiences a separation from nature, other human beings, and especially the products of his labor. Alienation has also been a central concept in sociology, a centrality deriving in part from Max Weber's recognition of the individual's feelings of helplessness in a disenchanted world governed by rational, bureaucratic, and impersonal institutions. Do you actually have to know what alienation is in that sense? Not not really, but there's a couple things that I think will help you here. He Henry is part of a spy agency that he does not fully understand, as with many of these apparatuses, he's kind of outside of it, kind of inside of it. So I just think that as you read the book, consider his relationship to the people who work there, especially his boss. That's a super important part of the book, I, th- I think. And how he responds to those in- to that institution. Also, though, I think in terms of being separated, is he separated from the products of his labor? He does talk a lot about his work and if he thinks he's doing it well or not. So there's a I don't think this is I'm not going to give you a Marxist reading of this book or something. Um, There could be one, but I I didn't read it quite that way. But I just Mm -hmm. think it's that the way he connects to other people and his wife and his family included in that and whether he feels separated from them whether even the spy work makes him more alienated maybe more separated or not um i just think there's a lot of ways you could read into his alienation from i there's just many aspects of the text that you could read this not to mention the person uh kwang who he follows around the main the main sort of intrigue in the book for him so yeah lots to say there but hopefully i didn't make that too convoluted no not at all i the the last bit there about um, feeling of helplessness in a disenchanted world governed by rational, bureaucratic, and impersonal institutions. Immediately, my mind was just like, there's the political aspect that Lee was, you know, discussing through Kwong's character. And there's also like the, the whole spy setup, too, is super impersonal. It's meant to be impersonal. I was just like, this, yeah, definitely. I can definitely see a gotcha. reading with that yep. for sure. Yeah, 100%. To say more would be to spoil. And that is not our goal today, and we will not spoil. So let's uh, <laughs> let's conclude this recommendation for Chang Rei Li's native speaker. We have been again the lightly literary book club podcast. Sorry, <laughs> I paused for a second there. I was reading ahead. That's why you folks, when you're recording something, you should never read the outline as you're speaking. It's just a just an absolute <laughs> kind of concoction for airs. We have been, as I said before, the Lightly Literary Podcast. You can find us there at that Instagram hash, uh, handle and at the Facebook page. Same thing, one word. We have other books coming up, so if we didn't persuade you to read this book today, after the next uh, two weeks, we'll have another one ready, and that is Blood, Bones, and Butter by Gabriel Hamilton, which is a brief aside I'm reading now and is insane. It reminds me of why I could never write a memoir. Not an interesting person, haven't lived an interesting life. (laughs) 
so we'll leave the memoir writing to her. Anyway, so Blood, Bones, and Butter. And then after that, we have a short story collection called Sansei and Sensibility by Karen Tay Yamashita. And then after that, Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. Amanda, any final words or thoughts on, on this one? Um, just, just pick it up. You, you guys won't regret it. It's, yeah. it's a great read. I found it for $3 at a used bookstore, folks. You can get a lot nice. of, yeah, used bookstores are quite a powerful force. You can, for a small <laughs> financial investment, find yourself wrapped up in something, uh, in a very intense and pleasing way. Any, do you want to drop a quick, we, we normally don't do previews like this, but this podcast is already shaking, shaking the rails anyway. We're not off the rails, <laughs> but we're shaking them. I'm shaking them. Do you want to say anything about Blood, Bones, and Butter, which we're going to record for soon? So, yeah, that that is a, a real memoir, and it is 100% different from yeah. this novel. <laughs> yeah, the food stuff I'll be intrigued to hear your thoughts on, and we'll probably leave it there for now. But there's Because it is a food memoir. It's about a chef. It's a chef's memoir. So um, I'm 100 pages in, and it's the food is prominent in it for sure. But her life, man, yeah, anyway, quite intense. So... Um, we'll be back with that one soon. Thanks as always, folks, for listening in and listening, taking another recommendation. We hope you join us for the next two weeks. And as always, we'll see you between the pages.